All right, well, we've been, uh, if you're new, if you've not been here for a while, we're going through a 20 stones series. The stones, the foundational stones have uh, the well here in Carmel. And Marvin has walked us through quite a few of these. I've had the privilege of doing a few. But just by way of review, <clears throat> we started out with this idea that we are a Christ-centered church. Yay. First commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is absolutely the beginning point, the starting point for us. We're a spirit-filled church. We believe that the Holy Spirit is absolutely the essential helper. He is the advocate. He is the one who enables us and empowers us to walk out the Christian life in all of our experience. Without him, we can't do this. And so we are a spirit-filled church. We're a Bible-based church. We don't apologize for that. We believe that the Word of God is the foundation stone. It is the truth. And in a culture that is going ever wacko, we feel like it is the source. It is the center. It is the the, the true plumb line of what we're doing here. We're a love-governed church. Again, this is uh, first and second commandment. Not only to love Jesus, we love each other. And, and like it or not, you're stuck with us. You know, we're all family here. And, and family just has to love each other sometimes, by faith a lot of times. But that's part of it. We want Jesus and his love to be central here. And we, we welcome those who, who walk through the doors. They're part of the family. We're a prayer-fueled church. We've already talked about this. This is our, our heartbeat now. And again, we've, we've tried to uh, make this a place where the presence of God dwells as the, as the saints pray. His spirit comes. It fills this place. And we've seen, just since we've been doing dwell, a remarkable change in, in the heart, the culture, just the atmosphere of our very uh, facility here. And it's been awesome. Amazing. We're a gospel-drenched church. We are out-centric. We're not just ingrown. We, our heart is to go out. Like, like uh, Susie was saying, man, you know, she got infected with the cause of Christ. And it's like, when you get that, you want to go out there. You want to spread the news. You want to be that conduit of, of what God has done in your life. We are a joy-permeated church. That was so awesome last week, man. You know, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy, those three things. He said joy is one-third of the kingdom. That needs to be the DNA. That's our prayer for this, this body of believers. But today, we want to kind of get into the next one, a heart of generosity that we are an extravagant, giving church. And, you know, I think that as you look at this, it's easy to think, oh, great, so now let's talk money. Well, I want to shift the focus completely here and I want us to begin to talk about this particular verse and Mary's heart, because this is really kind of our, our theme verse for the idea of generous heart. Mary said she took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. There's so much packed into those verses, into that little passage there, but there was a, a heart response of Mary toward the generosity, the kindness, the compassion of God that caused her to do something very extravagant. I mean, we don't know how much that perfume costs. We know it costs a lot. Some people say as much as a year's wages. So it's extravagant, and that was powerful. That was a powerful moment. But for me, how I want to approach this is I want to, I want to analyze Mary's heart. What would cause a person to respond like that? So I'm going to ask six questions in a short span of time this morning. When you truly understand how much you've been given, the heart responds by desiring to give back. 
And I chose this picture because a lot of times we find it easy to complain. We find it easy to fuss. We don't, we don't, we see the favor, the blessing of God in our life. And all it takes is just encountering someone who has much less than we do as you come alongside them and you say generosity flows from a heart of gratitude. You come alongside, you recognize what has been done for you and you realize I have nothing to complain about, you know? And so, my series of six questions for us this morning. I want to ask, who is our model for generosity? Okay? What does it look like? What has he shown us about that? Where have we seen it in the Scripture? I think it's important for us to understand, and again, anchor ourselves in the Scripture. Where do we see this? When have we seen that happen in our midst? And I'm going to seed a thought with you. When we get to that point, Lord willing... I'm going to ask one or two of you to actually just, I'm going to grab this mic and say, have you seen God be generous in your life? What's an example in your life where you've seen the generosity of God flow through you? Stay tuned. I'm going to ask you guys to participate. Why is generosity so hard sometimes? As a human being, we find out that, you know what? We don't part with our money easily. We don't part with our time. We don't part with our skills or our talents and abilities all the time. We're not so eager to dive into the pond. Why is that? We'll talk about it briefly. And how should we respond? How should we respond to the kindness and the generosity of God? So let's kick this off. Who is he, this, this God who is generous? Well, you know, I was, I was doing a little um, just poking around on the Internet, and I came across this interesting quote from Carl Sagan, let's just say he was not one of the preeminent God-loving people, but he said this, your God is too small for my universe. See, now, as an atheist, as, as an astronomist and an astrophysicist, this guy looks out at the universe and he comes to this conclusion, there's no way that a God could have done that. No way. Interestingly enough, Sagan died in 1996, and I have a feeling he might be thinking twice about his conclusions. God looks at him and says, no, Carl, your mind is too small for my universe, right? And I think that's the reality. This is the person who is generous. This is the one who we are talking about here, who sets the model for this. So what is the secret here? Who is he? He made it all. He made it all. He made heaven and earth, the sea, everything in them. That little blue globe upon which we live, he made it all. Not only that, he owns it all. The earth is the Lord's. I think uh, this morning we had that verse quoted, right? The earth is the Lord's. All it contains, the world, those who dwell in it. Guess what? He is the master of the house. He owns it all. Another thing we need to know. Not only does he own it all, he holds it all together. It's like if he weren't involved in this deal, the whole thing would blow up. The fact that you exist, the fact that your body is cohesive is a miracle. Jesus holds it all together. So this is the person that we're talking about. What has this person given? What has God given in his generosity? If he's the role model, what has he given? Let's look at this. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You talk about generosity. He gave his most prized possession, his son. 
And his conclusion is, Paul's conclusion is, well, if he gave his most prized possession, how is he not then going to freely give us everything else? That's the generosity. That is the heart of our king. What has he given? Peter says he's given us everything for life and godliness. Guys, that kind of sums it up. I mean, life is what we are living. Godliness is our pursuit. It is the process of transformation going on in our life. Jesus said, I've given you all that you need, right? Next thing, I've given you every spiritual blessing, not only in this life, but he's looking ahead to the future in heaven. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us with in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You guys, we have not even begun to see the amount of generosity that awaits us. I mean, you know, we, we can't even begin to get our little minds. That's right, you know, God's right. Your mind is too small to comprehend what I have in store. You think I'm generous now, you wait, okay? This is, this is our king. Generosity of eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. I mean, you have no idea. We have no idea what that even means because our minds are finite. We don't understand eternity. But I'm telling you what, David is experiencing eternity right now. And he's looking at this and saying, oh, you are such a generous God. And he can't wait for us to join him, Right? What has he given? He's given wisdom generously. James says, if you lack wisdom, ask. Our generous God, he's going to give it to you. He's not going to rebuke you for asking for wisdom. He loves to load it down. What else does he give? Comfort. This is an interesting verse, you guys. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us. That sounds like a lot to me. His comfort through Christ. You don't, you don't step into the Christian faith for a nice sauna kind of relief kind of thing. It's not, you know, easy street. No, you're stepping into a war. You're stepping into a battle. You're stepping into persecution. Hello. And Paul says, guess what? In the middle of that, God lavishes comfort on you. And it's just not the comfort that you're expecting. It's not like, oh, hey, I can sit back and watch Netflix kind of comfort. No, it's, it's the comfort of joy in the midst of craziness. It is the comfort of knowing that you are not alone. He has given us more than we could ask. He's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. I mean, you know, it's kind of like if you had the genie in the, in the bottle with, hey, what are three wishes? You know, and you think of the most crazy things ever. It's like, he says, ah, I want to give you even more than what you're asking for, okay? Now, some of you are thinking, well, about that, Lord. I've been asking for a lot of pretty, you know, and I'm not really seeing that happen. Sometimes the Lord is gracious in his restraint. And he gives us what we need in the moment as opposed to what we want in the moment. And I, I, I love this, but, but he says, man, I'm going to give you far more than you think is good for you. So that's the what. Where do we see these things in Scripture? I mean, I'm just going to do a flyby. I mean, there's all over the Scripture, but how about this one, the prodigal son? You talk about a generous heart. I mean, here's a dad who basically gives his kid the inheritance ahead of time. He goes out, squanders it, and then totally destroys his life, comes back thinking he's going to be the heel of the family, and the generous dad says, come on in, put on the robe, let's get the ring, let's kill the fattened calf, let's celebrate. You know, I'm going to lavish on you even more. That's who he is. Healing miracles, 
You just look through Scripture and you see over and over and over and over a generous God who gives people what they never thought they would ever get. Has he done that in your life? How about this? The 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000. Talk about a generous God. I mean, gentlemen, I want you to go feed 5,000 people. Like, hello, no, that's not happening. I am not going to do that. But he says, well, you do it. And so he multiplies what little they had. And then what I love about our generous God is he said to punchline it, he says, pick up the leftovers. Let's just see how much we got left here, right? And so we see generosity. Ruth and Boaz. The story of Ruth is so amazing to me how a kinsman redeemer comes into a situation that seems hopeless and he lavishes generosity on, on Ruth and she becomes part of the lineage of our Savior. Hello, that's pretty ridiculous. Solomon, how could you talk about generosity without talking about Solomon, right? Here's a guy who actually prayed for wisdom, right? And did God give him wisdom? Hello, yes, he did. And he said, because you didn't ask for the moon, I'm gonna give it to you. Interesting little sideline on that one. What happens is when we get more than we expect, sometimes it goes to our head. Be careful about God's abundance, what he hands to you. Always keep the humility. Always keep that gentle and contrite spirit. Here's another one, Job. <laughs> Here's a rich guy who had it all. God pulls it away. You talk about suffering. He is the textbook model of suffering, and he goes through it because God wants to drive the point home and say, you know what? You still need some growing to do. I still have some conforming I want to do in your life because I want to reveal to you even more generosity. What did he do after the suffering? He lavished even more. He gave him even more. That is the generous God that we serve. When have we experienced it well, family? I need two people. Have you got a story of God's generosity in your life? Anybody? Okay, Susie, and then we'll, we'll hit you. I grew up without running water, without a bathroom in the house. Um, everyone thought we were poor, but we had God. And I just want to, recently, um, a church came in and brought, bought our property, mm. bought our, and then came back and bought our house and property. Yeah. And not only did they do that, they didn't even walk through the house. And I kept saying, don't you want to see it? And then they said, by the way, you can stay here for six months free. Awesome. <laughs> Carmen? Um, I, I can't remember if it was like a year ago or two years ago, but um, our tree in our front yard, it was like a big storm, and the tree just like completely <laughs> just... Uh, went out and um, fell down and I was like outside cleaning it up and I was with my three children and I said I said if it be your will Lord send somebody to help me and it couldn't have been like 30 minutes later this guy stopped and he's like can I help you clean up this tree he's like I don't want to be weird or anything but I just felt like I was supposed to come help you and I was like whoa <laughs> I got really <laughs> freaked out but I was like yes you can so he helped me like um he helped me well Josh was working by the way guys Josh wasn't <laughs> just doing nothing <laughs> <Delinquent>. <laughs> he 
He, um, he was working landscaping all day. This must have been last year. So anyway, so um, he cleaned it up. And then um, actually it was first a branch that fell down, and then he helped me with that. And then the whole tree ends up falling over like two weeks later. And uh, it was just like people would categorize that as a disaster, I guess, in the, in the city of Fishers. Our whole front yard was covered in tree. And we're like, how are we going to clean this up? How are we going to afford it? But I was like, all right, I trust you, Lord. I trust you. And people were coming over and being like, that is so, such a disaster. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, I just believe. Like, I believe God's going to help me. If he helped me the first time, he's going to help me again. Anyway, so the guy who had helped me the first time, he came back to our house. And he said, whoa. (laughs) He was like, it looks like the whole tree fell down. And I was like, yeah, and all the kids were with me, and I was like, start, I was cleaning it up again, Josh was working, and uh, he's like, hey, I've got a guy in another neighborhood, he's cleaning up a stump and doing all this stuff, he said, let me go ahead and clean up this tree for you for free, like a $600 job, (laughs) I was like, thank you, Jesus, anyways, I ended up sharing our testimony with him, and he said, I just wanted to do that, because when you shared your testimony about you guys being prodigals, he said, my son is a prodigal, and it really touched my heart, and I just had to give back to the Lord for just the testimony, so. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Thank you. I love it, and I bet you what, you, you know, after church is over, if you've got a testimony about God's generosity, I'd encourage you to share it with somebody else, you know? Just encourage each other and say, you know what, this is how God was generous in my life, because I bet you if we took time, every person in here would have one, at least one instance where they saw the hand of God, you know? All right, so we've experienced it, right? Here's my question. Why is this such a pain in the butt sometimes? You know, we're, we're, as believers, we know that God is generous toward us, but when it comes time to be generous toward him, why do we struggle? Because the reality is we do. Well, I think it has something to do with a selfish nature that we all have. See, this is part of our sin nature is that we think about us first, and and the thought of being generous towards someone else is is a bit of a a stretch for our human nature. So why do we struggle? I think fearful about lack of money plagues a lot of people. You see, Jesus had more talk about money in the Scripture than almost any other topic, and and because he knew that it it pulled at the heart of the issue. And a lot of times we are just so fearful about, oh my gosh, I just don't have, I can't can't do that. I I can't possibly give money away because I'm struggling as it is, right? So there's sort of this fear thing. But Jesus says this, through Paul, my God will supply all your needs. Right, Carmen? According to his riches in glory. Right, Susie? We see these things. Julie and I have been full-time missionaries for 36 years. And I've seen God supply our needs over and over and over again. And for 36 years, we've never been in deficit. We've never lacked a thing. So, I mean, I look at this. Yes, God will supply all our needs. We don't need to fear that. Another thing, though, maybe we just struggle with this whole idea of obedience in this area, you know? Or, Or maybe it's even you don't even believe it. It's like, man, that's just something the church made up to just get me to open my wallet, right, and and, and to to dump cash out. No, I I think that that's not really the case. 
The Lord says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there can be food in my house. Test me now in this. Now, this, this is profound, you guys. Nowhere in the Scripture except here in this instance does God invite you to be testing him, right? Israel got into big-time trouble because they tested the Lord. When, when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, right, Jesus said, you don't test the Lord, you know. We don't, you don't do that. But in this instance, in the area of money, he said, test me. Dare you. Try it out, right? It's see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Do I hear the sounds of generosity? See, the generous God is saying, you be generous, I will be generous. I love that. Why do we struggle? <laughs> I hesitated to put this one up there, but you know what? In the church, we're really good at this. We're really good at making the flock feel guilty and manipulating you and, and guilting everybody into, man, I got to open up my pocketbook. You know, I, I think that this is not cool. Feeling pressured or obligated, always seem to be asking for my money, my time. You know, come back there and work in the kids' department, doggone it. You know, how about your skills? I mean, you're really good at sound. You're really good at decorating in here. You're really a good carpenter. Why aren't you? And you, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of things that we do that heap on the guilt. And, I, you know, that's, that's not a gracious response. It's not a gratitude response. And I'm saying if we're doing that, we're wrong. That is not the culture we want to create here at the well. I'm not up here to say, man, you guys need to give money. It's not it. I'm, I'm here to just say, look at who he is. That's my heart. I, I want to say, Jesus, it, it's, it's, it's not that. Other thing, difficult to decide. You ever wrestle with this one? How much should I give? Is this 10% thing really actually in the Bible? I mean, uh, is that net or gross, by the way? Uh, and is it... Uh, do I have to give that to the church first? I mean, there's a lot of other good ministries out there, aren't there? And, and, and you know what? I, I can't give to everything. So, so, so I'm just not going to do anything, right? I'm, I'm sick of you guys always, you know, it's, it's that deal, right? This is, this is the human nature coming up against this deal, right? The pride and comparison trap. And this is the other one, you know? Maybe you're one of those... <laughs> This is really a sad stat. One, one of the 1% of believers who actually tithes. I, well, the stat I just read was 1.5%. Anyway, I don't care. 3%, we'll give you guys the benefit of the doubt, right? <laughs> All right, 3% of us who actually tithe, you know, and, and then you get onto your hobby horse and you fall into this Pharisee syndrome, which Jesus also called out. Because the Pharisees were thinking, I'm so righteous. Look at the 10% that I'm giving. I'm pretty awesome. Aren't you impressed, God? I'm, I'm pretty righteous. And see, that's the problem, too, is that you get all cocky and you get all proud about the fact that, oh, yeah, man, I'm one of those few people who actually gives money around here. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know I mean? And we start getting that mentality. And Jesus says, no, that's not the heart behind why you would choose to give something. How should I respond? What's the real heart? And I love this picture. It's gratitude. Look at what he's lavished on me. It's the least I can do, God. Right? 
The example of Mary, we just read this. Notice, I, I put circumstances in white and I put the motivation in blue, just to kind of illustrate some things here. Mary took a pound of very costly perfume. Okay, this is basically all that she had. This is her, her life savings, okay? That was her circumstance. And she anointed the feet of Jesus with it. She wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance. Wow. See, that's, that's what happens when a heart says, man, I just want to give you everything. That's a powerful example. Here's another one, the Macedonian example. Paul says, brethren, we want to make known to you the grace of God which has been given. Okay, so these guys were under a whole lot of heat, and God poured out grace on them. The churches of Macedonia, that being great ordeal of affliction. Hey, hey, how about that suffering thing again? Isn't that awesome? Their abundance of joy, their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. I testify that according to their ability, beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. They weren't manipulated. They weren't coerced. It's like, pass the plate, pass the keynote. No, that wasn't the deal. They begged us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. Hello. Amazing. And this, not as we had expected. I love that. But they first gave themselves to the Lord. And guys, I think that's the one I circle. It all comes back to a heart that is passionately in love with Jesus. That causes that response. That's the secret to the Macedonian church. That's the secret to Mary of Bethany because they loved him with all their heart. How else should I respond? I want to give you guys some scriptural principles. I mean, there's a whole ton of them in the scripture about giving, okay? But I want to give you two that, that stuck out to me. It's the heart, not the amount. And Jesus illustrated this very profoundly. He sat down opposite the treasury. What a great place to pick up a perch, right? He began observing how the people were putting money in, and the rich people were putting in large sums, right? Look at how awesome I am, man. I'm one of those 3% that actually tithe around here. So notice how much I'm putting in, right? Poor widow came, put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples, he said, I tell you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributions to the treasury, for they put in out of their surplus, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned, all she had to live on. That was a sacrifice that said, Jesus, I just, I don't have much, but I, I love you. I'm giving you everything I have. See, that's the generosity of God moving in a heart and saying, oh, a heart of gratitude is what triggers a heart of response. Reaping and sowing. This is, this is all over the scripture, and it's one of the foundational principles about the area of money and about the principle of giving your time the principle of giving your talent, your skills, anything that you give for the kingdom of God, this principle applies. Paul says, he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving. You guys, you know what? It, it's just, it boils down to 
how much have I been given? And Lord, you said that if I even take a little bit and I give it back, and you say, test me in this. Just try it out. See what happens. That it blows up and it just it creates righteousness. Man, right, the other, one of the other thirds of the kingdom, right? Joy, it's got righteousness and it produces thanksgiving to God. That's the heart. That's what we would love to see at the well is just thanksgiving. Just marveling at our God. Give and it'll be given to you. It'll pour into your lap a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. See, back in the day, I mean, they didn't necessarily always use money. They, they often bartered for stuff, right? And they would have these scales, and, and these guys would put this stuff in there, and, and they would just have cheap scales and, or cheater scales. But, but he's basically saying, no, just fill it up, man, and let's just let it go over the top, you know, because I like you that much. I'm going to give you such a deal just for you, right? I'm going to give you. This is by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This reminds me of the whole forgiveness video. It just came to me. It's like, you know, what does Jesus say? Uh, forgive our debts as we forgive those, who, right? Jesus says, I'll forgive you as much as you forgive others. Same principle. I will give to you as much as you give to me. It's good. This is something Marvin and I had a little text conversation here this week, and I thought this was worth sharing because he had kind of a prophetic vision for our church that I thought was pretty sweet. I believe our church is going to steward great wealth and kingdom resources in the coming days. We were talking about this in staff meeting the other day. He wasn't just talking like great resources. He was talking great resources, like millions. Let's read on. Why? To be a blessing to both our neighbors and nations. I pray we will be found as willing to let go as Mary of Bethany was with Jesus. And here comes the punchline. He has us in Carmel for a reason. It's a calling to our family to a higher vision of helping Papa fund his dream in the earth. Dude, I love your prophetic heart. I just, you know, I, I think that this is, this is what, what it's all about, you guys. This is why, and again, I'm not saying we're standing up here saying, man, can I just tell you what's happened in the past year? We have gone from like $30,000 in the bank to over $100,000 in the bank. And it's nothing that our amazing leadership has done. Our, you know, it's, it's the Holy Spirit doing something here, and he's saying, are you going to be a faithful steward? And I'm telling you what, as a leader in this church, I stand up here in fear and trepidation. All of us do. That God is going to, he's going to entrust this to us. You know what? We always talk about OPM, other people's money. That would be you. We feel a weight of responsibility in that area. And I tell you what, it's scary. One day, I have to stand before my Jesus, and he's going to say, how did you do with that money? How did you do stewarding the well family? Guys, we don't, we don't look at this as something like, man, you cough up money. No, it's, it's like, <laughs> but it's with joy that we see if we can be found faithful that maybe God would allow us to be a conduit to the nations. 
that we would be a conduit to our community, to this city, a blessing. So um, in an effort to make this more attainable, we've had a lot of people asking us to do this. We finally did it. You can actually give online. <laughs> call us behind the times. Call us slow, but we're finally there, you know. But, but we thought this is a way that a lot of people like to do this today, and we wanted to open up all the channels. That if, if, the, if God moves in your heart and you want to do that, then, then that's an option. Now, in fact, we're going to put one out in the lobby too. So it's just a lot of people like to do that. So anyway, but here's what we want to do now. We want to move into a time of saying, Jesus, thank you for your incredible generosity on the cross. He gave us Holy Communion as a way to do this. And so I'm just going to turn this over to Marvin to lead us through this time. Uh, if you've got kids, we welcome you to go get your kids, come in and participate in communion.